Hello, Junior Girls. Welcome to Junior Girls Camp 2023. You look fantastic. You guys are full of energy. I loved how you were participating and uh, just doing all the things you could do today. Some of you that I were noticing were trying to figure out how you could all fit it all in today. And then one girl said, well, we still have four more days. So uh, if you didn't get something done today, you can probably do it tomorrow. Um, but we are thrilled to be here, and it's no accident that you are here. Uh, God planned this. I don't know if it was hard to get here or you wondered if it was going to happen or not, but God has who he wants here today. And so we're really thrilled. Uh, Elisa, the morning speaker, and I have been praying for you for months. And uh, we are just, just an answer to prayer to see you all here and uh, to see your shining faces and we're just glad to have you. Um, one thing that I want to look at, I thought I had it up here, but maybe I don't, your program. You're all going to see your program. Um, you're going to see a few blanks. The blanks you're not going to see up on the screen, okay? So you're going to kind of have to listen for the blanks. Now, if you're like, oh man, I didn't get this blank, I don't want you to really fret about that. If your whole cabin doesn't get a blank, maybe have your counselor come up, I can get the blank filled in for you. I don't want you to be all upset if you didn't get a blank filled in, okay? Um, the other thing is, every single night, we are going to learn something new about God. So we're, we're going to be studying a story in the Old Testament but we are going to learn about something about our wonderful God in that story. And so I really, when you go back to your cabins, maybe when you're talking with your counselor or your buddy, you know, I'd love you to talk about that and what it was about God that you saw last night or when Elisa talks. We want you to learn more and more about our wonderful God. So as we look at this story... Um, that's our hope and prayer, that you'll see God just a little bit more than maybe you did yesterday. That really should be all of our aim, to see God just a little better every day. So what we're going to look at today, or tonight, we're going to study a family. And this is just a family I got off the internet, so it's, it's not, it's just, a, it's just a picture. But we are going to study... Um, a family, and this is going to be a true story uh, right out of the Old Testament. It's kind of a love story. You get a man, he falls in love with a girl, they get married, they have some kids, and that's what we're going to study right out of the Old Testament, and we're going to get as much out of that as we can. So we're, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. I hope you bring your Bibles every night. Uh, everything that you learn... This week, from up here at least, and from your counselors, is all going to come from God's Word. This isn't just a story we made up last night where we were laying in bed. This is from God's Word. And we're going to study a family. And really, this is something that God wants us to do. 
Uh, right here in Romans 15, it says everything that was written in the past. So when you look at your Bible and it's in two sections, Old Testament and New Testament, a lot of it is in the past. But that doesn't mean that it isn't important for us. And we are to learn from the things that were written in this book. And especially, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament. Some of it will be familiar to you. Some of it, not so much. But I'd like you to look at um, Exodus. And I'd like you to really... um, I know your pamphlet says that... um, We're going to look at Exodus 2, and we're going to, but I felt like you needed a little bit of background. So you remember the story of Joseph and how he was sold into slavery, and he ended up in Egypt, and then he ended up in prison. He was falsely accused. You remember all that. And he ended up rising to power, and he and the Pharaoh at that time were buddy-buddies. I mean, it ended up that he promoted Joseph to second in the kingdom. And Joseph really saved Egypt and a whole lot of other people, including his own family, who had been down been down and they were brought up, given a wonderful section of land called Goshen, and there they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and lived a really great life. Seventy people came up, and God had told Abraham, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go here. You remember this? God had told Abraham earlier, you know, look at all the stars, Abraham. And if you could count them, that's how many your descendants are going to be. I'm going to go back. So all of that happened, and sure enough, which I find so cool, that God brought them into what would be a foreign land and grew them. And so they grew into quite a land, and then that Pharaoh died, Joseph died, And the new man in town, the new guy in charge, he doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't know about the good relationship. All he sees, and you'll see in chapter 1, all he sees is verse 8. Now there rose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look at all these people, these children of Israel. You know, he's in the Egyptian. They're more, they got more than we do. And he was kind of upset about that. So he came up with a plan. And you'll see in verse 10, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply some more. And so you'll remember the story of them being slaves. Okay, so they are now the Egyptian slaves. They used to live very nicely next to each other. But that's not the case anymore. And they sent taskmasters over them. But the harder the people worked, the Israelites grew. Now, let's kill all the baby boys. That was, that was the next idea. Told the midwives, you know, if a baby girl's born, she's good. She, baby boy's born, let's kill him. That, the midwives, verse 17, says, you know what? The midwives feared God, and they weren't going to do that. So, 
We get to the end of the chapter, and now Pharaoh's really frustrated, okay? The midwives aren't doing what he says they were doing. They, they believe that God created life, and so they're not going to kill the babies. So Pharaoh says, you know, we got another plan. You know what? Same thing. If the baby girl's born, she's fine. So all you junior girls, you'd have been fine. Baby boy, not so much. Want you to put them in the Nile. Just throw them in the Nile. They'll drown, whatever. So that was his plan so that the Israelites would not continue to multiply. And we looked at this verse already. So this is what happens. Uh, Miriam, she, she is the first girl born to this family that we're going to talk about. Her mom's name was Jochebed, and her dad's name was Amron, and she was born a slave in Egypt. Now, Miriam's parents were really, really godly people that loved the Lord, and they knew about this covenant that God had made with Abraham, and Miriam knew it, and her little brother Aaron knew it. They knew that God had promised something for their people. But there's starting to be more and more problem. They, they see, uh-oh, mom's going to have another baby, and wow, look what the Pharaoh says. If this baby's a boy, the law says we've got to put him in the Nile. Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, he was hidden three months. So sure enough, Jochebed has a baby boy. She knows what the edict is. She's really supposed to put that baby in the Nile River. She hides him for three months. After you've all had baby brother, baby sister, baby in your house, when they're tiny, it's not so bad. The older they get, they make a little more ruckus. So three months, and they were like, you know what? We've got to do something. I think it's very interesting that the mom does put her baby in the Nile. She does do what they said. So they got this baby, they hide him, and they're really the person we're going to talk about this week is Miriam. Miriam is the older sister. Miriam is what we, who we really want to look at uh, tonight. The Bible says that when they looked at Moses, they saw that he was a good child, a favored child, a beautiful child. Now, I don't know of any baby, really, that's born that their parents don't think that. I have 12 grandchildren. Every single time one of them was born, I thought they were just the cutest babies ever. But doing a little studying in the book of Acts... Verse 20 of chapter 7, it talks about that God saw this child. God didn't just see his physical beauty, but he saw the plan that he had for Moses. And i just like to say to you, it's the same when you were born. God saw the plan that he has for you. And it's really fantastic. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. So we go back. Miriam's mom, Jochebed, makes a little ark, a little basket, 
puts tar around it. Do you remember anything else that would be like a little ark with a little tar around it? Just think about that. But she makes this little basket (coughs) for her baby boy. And I honestly, guys, I looked everywhere in Scripture. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. Let's look at the text. And let's just read this for a second. And a man of the house of Levi took a wife of the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. I just want to stop right there. Miriam, that's who we're going to look at. I kept looking and looking. Did her mother ask her to do that? I didn't see that she did. Did Miriam just have some initiative to know, wow, maybe I should do that? Maybe all the praying that her parents had done about this and all that she knew about the promise that God had for the people of Israel, maybe it just made her very curious, and so she wanted to see what God would do. But she's remarkable. There she goes by the Nile River. She watches. Nile River, that's what it looks like today. So we're talking a real river. This is probably similar to what it looked like back then. Sure enough, and it could have been that Jochebed, the mom, knew where the princess maybe bathed, could have been. But sure enough, God, God, I don't know what God did. Maybe God happened to make little baby Moses cry just as the princess came down to the riverbank to bathe. But you take a crying baby and a woman's heart, and it's instant. It's just an instant thing. And Miriam, what does Miriam do? Talk about thinking. She says... Shall I go get an Israelite woman to feed this baby? I mean, most of the commentaries I read, Miriam was about six or seven. That's pretty good thinking. So the princess says, yes. So what does Miriam do? She goes and gets Moses' mother. And Moses' mother gets to take care of Moses in her own home. Um, In those days, I'm thinking, that night, Moses is in their house. Miriam's laying on her bed, and she's thinking, wow, God, I really saw you work in our family's life today. We put our little brother in the Nile. And he's safe back here at home. She got to witness being used herself and what great thing God could do. Pretty cool thing for a six or seven-year-old to see. Anyways, um, 
As custom would have it, when you're talking about keeping a baby and nursing him for a long time, it could have been that Moses got to stay in his own home for maybe 10 years. So during those 10 years, what do you think those godly parents did? Those formative years. You're there right now, right? You're 9, 10, 11, 12. You're in your formative years. And you are right in the family that you are supposed to be in. And that's what Moses got to do. He got to stay in that godly home. He got to learn about his Abraham and Jacob. He got to learn all about that. He got to learn how to trust the one and true God. All that time in the home, some because Miriam had been spot on, watching out for her brother, and doing the role that God had placed her in for the moment. Eventually, uh, Moses had to move to the palace. But is what was taught to him and what he learned in those first 10 years of his life that when he did come to the age where he can make some decisions, he chose not to enjoy some of the things that would have been available to him because eventually his mom has to bring him to the palace and he becomes the princess's son. Fact is, uh, he had what many would call a much better life. Remember, his parents, his sister, they're slaves. They're still under the rulership of the Egyptians. But all of a sudden, Moses moves to the palace He gets the best food, the nicest clothes, the softest bed, like an Ivy League education. In fact, the Bible says that he was very well versed in speaking, which I, when I was thinking about that, I thought, yeah, what was one of Moses' first excuses when he, um, when God gave him an appointment to go deliver the Israelites? Oh, I can't really speak. And I thought, to him, you know, yeah, he could. He was very educated. So he had all of the best. I doubt he saw his family very much. Doing some more reading, it seems like Moses became quite a warrior. He had all the benefits of everything. But one day, he goes out. And he, he knows who he is. He knows he's an Israelite. And he sees an Egyptian and an Israelite fighting. And he is looking this way, looking that way, and he kills the Egyptian. Now Moses, I think, thought, the Bible tells us, Moses thought his own people would realize that he was the person that was going to rescue them from the bondage they're in. But they didn't. I think Miriam and her family realized it, but I'm not sure the other people did. So, Moses goes on, and what happens? Moses is afraid now for his life, and he takes off. He just leaves, and he goes on to Midian, And I'm sure Miriam thought, we were thinking Moses was going to be our escape from this bondage. 
Isn't the Lord hearing our cry? Doesn't he know that we're still in bondage? And Moses has left, and we don't know when he's coming back. You and I are really no different than Moses or Miriam. God has roles for us to play. And I was thinking about you and the roles that you have right now. Many of you are daughters, sisters, cousins, granddaughters, church members, or at least part of a church family. I'd like to mention that you're girls. You know, the world is shouting right now, you be whatever you want to be. We need to shout loudly in our circles that God made you a girl, and you love that and embrace it. He made you a girl, you're going to die a girl. I was born a girl, now I'm an old lady, I'm still a girl. Embrace that role. Don't let anybody tell you different. Love how God made you and all the roles he's given you. Maybe your brother isn't your favorite, but you're a sister. But most of all, we want to talk about your role if you're a child of God. You know, I know in a group this size, Maybe you're thinking, wow, Miriam had a really nice family. Her parents were godly. They taught her wonderful things. A lot of the girls in my cabin, they had the same kind of family. But my family doesn't really look like that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I was a little girl, just your age, my family didn't look like Miriam's family either. But you know the beautiful thing is? God's family is for everybody. And he wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to cry out to him for your bondage in sin, the things you've done wrong. He wants you to be free from that. Just like the Israelites cried out to God for release from their bondage, he wants us to know, wow, Lord, I'm a sinner and I know you died for my sins, and I cry out to you, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be a part of your family. It is open to anyone. It doesn't matter what your family looks like down here. And we could do that both spectrums. Maybe your family isn't your favorite right now. My, my, my dad was mean. We'll maybe talk about that a little bit more this week. Or maybe you live in the pastor's home, and you think, you know what, my dad's saved, I'm good. That's not true. Every one of you, no matter your family, one side or the other, God wants you to acknowledge your own sin, not your brothers, not your sisters. It's me, oh Lord. I'm the one that needs forgiveness for my sins. You know, 
You might think, well, I'm just 10 years old, I'm just 11 years old, and I don't really have any big role right now like Miriam did. I'm not going to save my brother from the Nile. But you know, God was watching Miriam in the role he gave her at the moment. And he's watching you in the role that he has given you in the moment. Be the best junior girl you can be. He's got more roles for you to have in the future. How many of you are in sixth grade and you're going into seventh grade? Raise your hand. I love that. I want you to enjoy the moment. Don't wish for the next thing. I'm glad you sixth graders stayed down to junior girls. Don't rush your life. The boys are at junior high. You don't want to deal with them. Save that for another year. But enjoy being in fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade and say, God, what is the role you have for me? Like Miriam, do you want, you want me to be the best sister I can be, the best daughter, the best granddaughter, the best team player, the best cabin mate? The role you've given me right now, and don't think because of your age you don't have any. You do. Be the best girl you can be for God. And when he sees you doing that well, he will add more roles, give you more things. I love this verse. When my son Jay was your age, I found this verse in my reading one day, and he was dealing with something. I don't remember what it was. But I read this verse to him. Even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is pure and right. Even at your age, you have a perception about you. People have learned things about you. You are being watched. We were talking to someone today, and they were talking about someone younger watching up to even your age. So the kids in your church that are four and five and six, they think you are it, and they're watching you. Make sure what you're doing is pure and right and something they could imitate. And how do you do that? by imitating Jesus Christ. And he will happily show you what it is he wants you to do. Most of all today, no matter your family situation, we want you, more than anything, to join the family of God. God is whosoever will may come. There's really... Nothing else. It's whosoever will. There's no application to fill out or criteria to meet. It's whosoever will. He takes you just as you are. He won't leave you there. He'll grow you. But he takes you just as you are, no matter what your family at home looks like. It doesn't matter. He wants you to come and be a part of his 
forever family. Once you are in his family, once you are a child of God and you can call him your heavenly father, nothing will ever change that. And that's the, the prayer of your counselors, Elisa's, the song director, the program chairman, all, all the people. We want every one of you to realize that the best role that you can have is not sister, it's not brother, or no, not brother, wouldn't be brother, sister, granddaughter, it's not that, but it's a child of God. I, I've done some things with roles on a piece of paper, and always the top one is child of God. When you get that right, God will have you do so much better in all the other roles, and he'll guide you in all of that. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear, precious girls. Many of them come from absolutely wonderful homes. Their parents are home praying for them. They've done a lot of roles really, really well. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us in sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. We pray, Lord, that you would help us in the roles that you give us, that we would do those roles to the best of our ability as you help us so that we might win other people to the Lord even by our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.